Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Capital Advisory Group, Inc. is not affiliated with Kestra IS or Kestra AS. Neither Kestra IS nor Kestra AS provide legal or tax advice and are not certified public accounting firms. You work hard for your money. For the next hour, you're going to learn how to keep what's yours. Capital Advisory Group presents Keep What's Yours. Here are Josh Gilbert and Jeff Zupal. Hello and welcome to Keep What's Yours. I am Josh Gilbert. That's Jeff Zufall, And we're going to talk to you about keeping more of your money. Yes. Happy on... Saturday. Yeah, happy Saturday. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Keeping it on your paycheck. Keeping it in your bank account, keeping it from going to the federal government in the form of taxes that you don't necessarily have to pay. And how? what do you mean taxes I don't necessarily have to pay? <laughs> well, the tax code is written in such a way. Have you read it? I haven't. Jeff has. Exactly. And it was written in such a way that there are certain things that even the little guys like me and you can take advantage of and keep more of our money. Mm-hmm. And the federal government is more than happy to say, yeah. you." Don't. Oh, they'll gladly take your money at all times. Right. question is, you know, what are you legally obligated to pay? So, And I always like to think that somewhere in the bowels of the IRS, somebody is looking at my tax return and go, oh, my gosh. <gasps> Josh Gilbert is using the tax code to his advantage. Everybody in the big Belgium, <laughs> someone actually used the tax code. To keep more of their money. And we're using it for uh, the flex spending account for my son's school. We've got a couple other things that is going on. And these are all things that Jeff has found for us because we, uh, full disclosure, Jeff's my tax guy. Mm -hmm. And he's also my financial planner, which is something that we're going to get into in just a second. But as always, we talk about what's going on in the news and a big one this week something about the rates, Jeff, and and then the stock market went bonkers. Yes. What happened? (laughs) So the Federal Reserve decided not to raise interest rates. Um, it was kind of kind of expected that they would hold tight. But this is the third meeting in a row this year that they have not raised rates. And from what they're, they're, they're still data dependent, they still haven't said, hey, we're going to pause rates. But that's kind of what everybody uh, guessed at and said, hey, if they haven't raised rates, three separate meetings, they're done. They're not going to raise rates anymore. Because if you're an investor in the open markets, it's kind of hard to be a true investor and then fight the Federal Reserve when they're raising and decreasing interest rates. So the markets went berserk on Thursday, um, you know, right after they announced that or Wednesday, I'm sorry, on uh, Wednesday um, and, and been OK so far the rest of the week. But that's what the bulk of the investors think is the Fed is done. They have inflation under control. That's questionable. Um, and again, now the the outlook is. The Fed says that they're going to decrease interest rates May, June of 2024. And that's the question that everybody, there's a 65% Vegas odds that they do that. Oh, really? Vegas, um, Vegas is in yeah. this. <laughs> you can bet on anything. Yeah. Um, but again, the, that's the question of the day is do they decrease rates or do they just keep passing on increasing or decreasing? And that's the unknown. But So they announced that they're holding firm. Yes, but they didn't say we're pausing. But... The indication is if they're going to decrease rates going into, you know, I say early summer of next year, that's a game changer. That means they're done raising rates. 
Is this one of those things, Jeff, in the industry and and with all the stockbrokers and all that stuff, and and they like pick apart every word? Yes. That the Fed has said, no, they they didn't say they were right. They, exactly. It was a pause. They didn't, they're they're yeah. looking for that that verbiage within yeah. the statement. After. Is there a comma there or yeah. no comma? Exactly. And that's what they do. And then they can try and pick it apart and go, ooh, this is where they're going. Um, nobody really knows. And and like they say, they are data dependent, which means if the data shows that they need to raise rates, they raise rates. If the data shows to do nothing, they do nothing. And what they're saying is they've done, and I say this jokingly, enough damage to the economy um, that they could hold tight going forward the last three times. Now the question is, do they meet again, you know, going into 24? And if they start to adjust this policy, then yes, we could see some rate decreases, which is beautiful um, for if you're borrowing money, mortgages, credit cards, everything is tied to this. So again, that's the question of the day. We don't really know where we're at until we get off into 2024. Um, and then the other topic has come up, is this political? Um, you know, you, you can't point at that. You would hope that the Federal Reserve says, hey, we need to do this because the economy, economy needs this boost. Um, and, and their main, how would you say, it, draw is not so much the market, the stock market. It's more so the economy. That's what they're looking for. They're trying to precurse, you know, six months, six years in advance to, to make sure that they keep the economy on track. And it's been... And uh, education for me, just doing this show, Jeff, because I never took microeconomics or macro. Mm-hmm. I didn't take any of the economics in college. Uh, so I, I wish I would have because yeah. it's fascinating. Oh, yeah, it and is. It, and it really pertains to everything that goes on, big that picture. goes on yeah. in the country. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you can't just bury your head in the sand. And, oh, I hope the economy doesn't yeah. affect hope me. Hope it does better. You yeah. Know. yeah. But it does. That I mean, everything that happens in the economy is going to affect markets. Again, stock markets front run the economy, hypothetically, and it's trying to predict where we're going. So if that's what's taking place this week, an indication, we should be okay. But again, 24 is an election year, so who knows what takes place. Yeah. It gets kind of weird. And it's uh, one of these things where the inflation was so bad and the economy was was running so hot that they raised the rates to slow the economy down. It's and that's exactly. Say. They've, yeah. they've done the damage. Yes. They're, and that, they're that's what they... Tools in the toolbox, basically. And are. I hate to say yeah. it, but they, they want people to lose their jobs? Unfortunately, that's the side effect of it, yeah. um, is to slow the economy down in the proper manner. What they're really trying to do is knock down corporate profits. Um, but the side effect of that is people lose their jobs right. in the process. Rather than corporates lose any money, mm-hmm. they'll just lay people off. Lay people off, and then they and reset. Then, uh, shake each other's hands. Uh-huh. Uh, what was that one? Was it Pepsi? Somebody. Um, they uh, congratulated themselves on a record-breaking year. Even though they had sold less units yes. <laughs> of soda, yes, just because they made more made more profit, they raised period. their prices. That's it. That's all they did. They actually did worse as far as units sold, mm-hmm. but because they raised their prices so much, they gave each other a big pat on the back on and said, "Oh, thank you. I, you bet, know, I, bet I want my bonus." Yeah, <laughs> I bet there's a lot of swimming pools and and a lot yes. less jelly of the month yes. clubs. Oh yeah. So uh, that's kind of how the economy works, and uh, you know, 
it's sad to say, but when what a good problem to have. Oh, you know, exactly. We're yeah. you know economy's firing red hot. Exactly. Everybody's able to afford that flat screen TV. Well, that's a problem when it comes to exactly. inflation. Yeah, because so. inflation will kick in, and then they they counter that with the tools in the toolbox are increasing or decreasing interest rates. So they would increase interest rates to hypothetically slow the economy down. Again, not the markets, the economy. Most people think that they mess with the the stock market. They don't. They, it's a side effect of it. Yeah. So it's the the big picture economy, and it takes a while. So if they increase rates or decrease rates, it could take, you know, upwards of six months before that comes full circle. So you can even see the effects of what they did. Uh, And then uh, just before we go to commercial break, this is the news part of the show. We're going to talk about year-end planning because Mm -hmm. uh, this is it. You know, what are two weeks? Two weeks, weeks we're done. (laughs) We're done. Uh, But there are still things that you can do. Uh, And then I want to ask Jeff, uh, is it ever a good idea to pull money out of your 401k? And what's the best way, Mm -hmm. the most tax-efficient way to do it? I'm sure Jeff is saying uh, the best way to do it is to not do it. But, uh, <laughs> Depends. We'll, yeah, we'll get into that as well. But before we end the news segment, the Fed has decided to, and tell me the correct verbiage so we can all psychoanalyze it, has decided to pause. No, not pause. Okay. The, not that's pause. the verbiage they're looking for. Yeah. I say everybody looking for. They're just holding as holding. is. They're holding the the pattern of rates as is. Rates not up, rates not down. Exactly. Just they didn't do anything. Well, that sounds like a pause to me. Yes. <laughs> well, but they got to come out and say in the right. statements it is a pause. So that's what everyone is looking for for the Fed to quit messing with interest rates so they do, can get back to investing. Does the Fed like give interviews? Do they say who the Fed is, or do they come out once a month? make an announcement, and then go back inside. Oh, no, they have a meeting that lasts three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, like last week, it started Monday. They go Monday, Tuesday, closed-door meeting. Then Wednesday, they come out and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. And how often do they do that? Every other month. Every other month. Mm-hmm. So bi-monthly going forward. And sometimes you don't hear a word from them. Sometimes it's like, oh, look at this. But after they make their announcement, then the fair Fed chairman gets up and gives his, I'll call it, dissertation on mm-hmm. what took place. And then that's where people are picking that apart, trying to say, what's he what's he really saying? Um, when they say, oh, we're data dependent, people are like, oh, that means that they're going to do this or that. Why doesn't someone just raise their hand and say, excuse me? But they do have afterwards. You can watch a press conference. It gets really, really, really boring. Yeah. Uh, because they're talking economics and most right. people will fall asleep watching it. But they do have a question and answer. Um, and it goes off. I think it goes to where it, you got to watch it on C-SPAN or something like that because nobody's really going to watch no. it. C-SPAN 2 is what they put it on. All right, well, let's go to commercial break, and when we come back, year-end planning, and is it ever a good idea to touch your 401K? We'll talk about it. It's Keep What's Yours with Jeff Zufall. He's my tax guy. He could be your tax guy, too. 636-394-5524, Capital Advisory Group, capitaladvisorygrp.com. Do you want to keep more of your money? in your pocket, on your paycheck, in your bank account, rather than going off to the federal government. And tax time is coming up. You know? Well, the, the the filing of your tax return is coming up. Right. But So uh, we'll be on the lookout in the next couple of months to see those uh, W-2s rolling in. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, then it starts all over again. So there's a way to end the year on a good note, and there's a way yes. to start the next year, 2024,
on an even better note. On an even better, you know what? I, I'm always so optimistic. I'm like, great. Now I have 12 months <laughs> exactly. of tax savings. That's right. Or you can procrastinate until November or December. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I want to get a full 12 months of, of tax keeping. <laughs> and we'll tell you how to do that in the next segment. It's Keep What's Yours with Jeff Zufall. Keep What's Yours continues with Josh Gilbert and Jeff Zufall. Welcome back to the program, and it's one of these things, year-end is upon it's us. It's here. It's yes. here. There are definitely things that you need to do to get ready and make sure that we end 2023 with a bang, and by bang, I mean buck. Yes. <laughs> with a in your pocket. Bucks <laughs> in your pocket. Um, so what are the things that we can do now? And, you know, I mean, we're two weeks out yeah. from Jan 1st. Is there is there still time left? Yes, there's still time left. And again, this is something, uh, you know, this is like, a, oh, hey, you're at the end of the year, worry about it. Um, but typically you do this all throughout the year. So it's, you're not in a big rush. This time of year, you pretty much got it down pat. The only thing that's kind of a year-end scenario, we talk about it all the time, is your Roth conversions. Now's the time. You know what you, you, know what you made this year from a dollar standpoint. So you could look at, you know, should I, should I do a conversion? Will it help me? Will it hurt me? Um, and that's the question of the day. And again, most people will look at this as, oh, convert to an IRA, a Roth IRA, um, but pay the tax from someone else, somewhere else, and it doesn't affect your account balance. The key to it is you have to do the mathematics, and that is you convert $30,000 to a Roth, and then what is the actual tax that you have to pay to do that, and you take it from the Roth going forward to see how long does it take you to make that back. And in some cases, it's worth it. In some cases, it's not. Understanding how to do this, though, you have to understand how the Roth works, how the the traditional IRA Mm -hmm. works, the pre-tax IRA. You sock money away pre-tax with the hope at some point that when you go to take it back out again, you're hit with a tax, but it's lower than the tax rate that you paid. Yeah, you you put it in. You put it in. 24% 24% tax bracket, you take it out at a 20, that's a 4% savings. I'm in a 24, right. I'm yeah. in a 24% tax bracket currently. Hopefully that goes up. Yes. <laughs> Jeff, hopefully, hopefully I make a lot more money this year. Um, I'm in a 24% tax bracket. I say, you know what? I think when I retire, I'll be in a 20% tax bracket. I'll pay the yeah. taxes then. Exactly. And I sock it away, and that's the game. That's that's the theory on it. That's and the in theory. some cases, you are very successful. You actually make more money. Tax rates go up. There's a lot of variables in there. But again, that's the if you use time value of money to your advantage, you pre-tax the dollars in. Um, then you come along at some point in time like now and say, hey, is it worth converting? Maybe the, the calculations are not what you thought they were. You're going to make more money in retirement um, and, you know, your peak earnings, et cetera, et cetera. So that now you start to look at, hey, can you convert some of these from an IRA or pre-tax to an after-tax? But you got to pay tax on it to get it there. And if you take money and do a, a Roth conversion, when you move it over, it counts as ordinary income yes. to you. Yes. So... If I, you know, let's just say I make one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and two, and I don't know where the tax brackets are, but two hundred thousand dollars is a different tax bracket. Yes, I can take out forty nine thousand dollars exactly to add to my 
uh, current income, current income, and stay in the lower tax bracket. and pay the lower tax. Yep. And and the game there is how much can I take out before I hit a new tax exactly. bracket and 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 that's that's when you lose the game. Well, yeah, because you saved money. Uh, and socked it away at twenty four percent, and then when you go to take it out, you're paying thirty two percent. Exactly, it's that's that's you're losing the game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. so that's big picture today. Um, and again, you know, whoever wins twenty twenty four election um, gets to I don't I won't say gets by choice, but they're forced to adjust tax law in twenty five because the Trump tax cuts tax are... cuts sunset in twenty twenty five. So okay. again, people go, oh, taxes are going to go up. Taxes are always going to go up. I mean, so there's really no way to predict what's going to take place eight years, 10 years, 15 years in the future. But the theory is if you put the money in pre-tax, you save tax dollars today, time value of money, you know, over a 10, 20, 30-year span, you should be ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. And then you look at it to say, hey, is it worth it? But don't do it until the end of the year because now you know where you're, you're, you know what your money is. You know exactly what you could do. So, And when you get to this point... You can basically say, well, I know what I've done the past 11 months mm-hmm. and two weeks, so nothing is probably going to change that much in the next month or so. Exactly. I can predict what I'm going to end up with, and I can say, you know, I make 150 a year. I don't. I'm just saying for the example. <laughs> I Trust me, I don't. He's got a Maserati hidden out yeah. back. <laughs> I make 150 a year, but when I actually do the numbers... You know, I got a bonus over here. Mm-hmm. I, I did exactly. this. I, yeah. I picked up some money uh, doing, doing that. Side gigs, whatever yeah. the whatever and the thing may I be. I actually yeah. made 163. Exactly. So now you know throughout the year, throughout the year you can say, well, I make 150. Mm-hmm. But you can actually do the math now. Yes. Uh, this late in the, in the year and predict that for the next two weeks you're going to make X, Y, and Z. And then you can say... How much can I convert exactly without hitting that threshold? Exactly, that's the kicker. That's the game. So that's so the that's, game. That's why you do it. Yeah, this late. Usually, in the year. you start Novemberish, just kind of putting your numbers together, and then it gives you plenty of time to do the calcs. So, you are you out. are you in the office? Do are you are people pounding on your doors? What's saying, literally Jeff, taking place right now is Jeff, it's I, all. I need to do my Roths. You're in tax planning. Um, the other the other big one is tax lot trading. So if you have a taxable brokerage account out there, and this is super simple, um, scroll through it and look at all your losers. And everybody's going to have some losers. There's no way around it. Sell your losers. Take the, the capital loss. Okay? So the concept is sell the losers, create losses. Okay? And then what takes place is the loss that you have sitting there will offset any capital gains that are created this year. So if you had you sell all your losers, say you sell $1,000 worth of losers, and mutual funds distribute what are called capital gain distributions. It's not that you're selling anything. They just, the, the fund keeps a, kind of a, a track record going all year long, and if they make money through selling and buying assets, they push that out proportionately to all the shareholders. And then what takes place is you, as the shareholder, get a piece of that capital gain, even though it's a terrible year in the market or a great year in the market. So, again, you have capital distributions, capital gain distributions that take place throughout, you know, typically they start eh, this week and run till right after Christmas and they make these distributions. So if you sell your losers, the tax loss that you generate will offset any capital gains that are out there. And it's a dollar for dollar. Mm. 
So let's say that you have a couple of terrible losers and you rack up $30,000 in losses, but you only have $10,000 in gains and you have $20,000 of losses that will carry forward to the next year and are on your tax this year's 2023 tax return, you get $3,000 as against ordinary income that you get to take. It's only three grand, but still it's three grand. Um, and then you get to use 3000 a year, every year until you use up that loss carry forward. And this is all great information, Jeff. But as I always say on this show, you, you're driving in your car and you're in, you're in your kitchen doing the dishes. You're listening to the Big 550. You hear Jeff say things and, and you say, you know, that kind of pertains to me. Or, mm-hmm. you know, we had some, uh, some losses that we yeah. could, you know, offset some gains. Um, but how people actually put that in the, in the, into their portfolio, how they actually make those moves happen. I think that's where some of us get lost. Yes. You can do it for us. We can, we can show you exactly what to do, how to do it, what amount to do. But we usually run into where they're like, well, I'm going to sit on that, wait for it to come back, break even, um, do the math. You know, if the share price is down 10 bucks a share, what's it take it? percentage-wise to get back to break even you'll be amazed mm-hmm. it's it's simple math but it's it's not a 10 percent to get back up there it could be 40 percent to get back break even so again if you bought a stock or a mutual fund why'd you buy it what was your original theory going into it and does that theory theory still apply and if it doesn't sell it especially if it's a loser yeah and reset the deck now here's the trick you just can't buy a similar security within 31 days. Otherwise, the basis reverts back to where you started and it was kind of a complete waste to do it. So if you have a stock and it's down, Mm -hmm. and we just, we did this over the summer, you have a stock and it's down, you can sell it. But if you're like, oh, I I really do believe that it's coming back. Well, 31, 32, 33 days later, you can buy it back. 31 to the the, the T. 31 31st day, you buy it right back. You can buy it right back. And then, you know, you, maybe it just sat flat the whole time. And that's, that's the risk that you run. Does the, the day that you sell it, the market skyrockets, yeah, you know, right. in that fear of missing out scenario. And it triples while you're sitting there waiting. Very rarely happens, but it's happened in the past. That's the side effect of it. So, but I mean, you could sell those losers, go buy something else, come back 31 days and buy it back. You yep. just have to wait 31 days. And uh, then you have the same exact stock that you had exactly 31 days ago, but lower, now you get to take lower, the loss. You got to take the loss, and you get a lower tax tax basis on it as you go because it drops down to that lower number. Do we have for it to show up on our, our tax returns uh, that we're going to sit down and do with you in a couple months, uh, our 2023 tax return, do we have to do it before January 1st? Yes. Well, no, December 30th. Trade has to be made before December 31st. Okay. Close a business or close the markets on 1231. You have to make this. So you can make that trade on 1231 and you get credit for it for 2023. If you wait until January 2nd, the markets open back up. It's a 24 event and you won't see it for 14 months. Yeah, a year and a half. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So that is something that we do. So we do the Roth conversions Mm -hmm. uh, now because we know what we made. We can predict what we're going to be pulling in oh, for yeah. the next two weeks or whatever. Some people, you know, might have already gotten their their last paycheck of the year. Uh, um, very well, could yeah. and you know exactly where you're at for the year. So, so you do your Roth conversions and just make sure 
uh, I call it tax bracket bingo. Yes. Make sure <laughs> that you uh, don't take out too much exactly. in the Roth because that, that counts as your ordinary income. Mm-hmm. Do your Roth conversions. What else can so, we do at the end of the year? So a super simple one is this, is take your paycheck stubs and look at where you're at year to date. Nobody touches their paycheck stubs. Half the time when I ask for them, they're like, oh, where do I get those from? Look at your paycheck stub. Take it and see what the federal and state withholdings are year to date. And if it's your last paycheck of the season or year, that's what the the numbers are going to be. Then take that, look at it to last year, and see exactly where it is. Um, But what you're looking for is what, what can you do? Again, the other side of the equation is can you do more into your 401k? Now, again, the only way you get money in your 401k is through payroll. A paycheck. Yeah. You got to have a paycheck. But then the flip of that is, is depending upon what, what you're contributing, can you still do a Roth contribution, which is after tax? It's a contribution, not a conversion. Can you do an IRA deduction, which means you put money in, it goes straight in, you get a you get a dollar-for-dollar dollar tax deduction for it. So those are the calculations that you put together to see exactly where you're at, which will help you as you go forward. And the other one that a lot of people, I don't want to say forget about, but don't worry about is, um, let's say that you make too much, you can't do a Roth conversion. It's called a backdoor Roth, which means you take, depending upon your age, um, anywhere between 6,500, 7,500, and you put it into a non-deductible IRA, park it there, and then literally the next day convert it to a Roth. It's that simple. Um, it's called backdoor Roth. It's come up, uh, you know, in the agenda of the tax law changes multiple times, but they've never touched it yet. Um, so that's one that you could do really simple. The other one is charitable contributions. Can you itemize? So the question is, do you have money left to, to get you to itemization? Is it worth giving money away to take a deduction for it? Most people, no, but a lot of people, yes. Um, and I say a lot, there's a, about seven or 10% of America that it will make sense to give money away. And that's given to the church. It's given to the main society, whoever that may be. So those are just really quick. Make sure that you, if you have an HSA, which is a health savings account, you can actually finish off, make sure you max it out. It's just like an IRA. And you can do that all the way up until March 15th of the following year. So you can go March 15th of 2024 and then do your max contributions into it. And is that something the HSA and the FSAs, are those things that have to come out of your paycheck as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So HSA, well, not HSA though. FSA, it does. You have to declare probably way back two months, three months ago, what you're going to do for 2024. And then the HSA, the theory is, is typically what we see is the employer puts $600, a thousand bucks into it and they can do $8,300. And then nobody puts anything into it all year long. You kind of forget about it. And at the end of the year, if you need that tax deduction, max it out. And you could write a check directly in for your HSA contribution to max it out. And you can do that. Interesting. Yeah, you can do it all the way up to March 15th. Uh, But with your your 401k, your your Roth IRA, or your regular IRA, that has to come from your paycheck. Well, the 401k has to come from payroll. Payroll. Your Roth contribution or your... Uh, say deductible IRA, non-deductible IRA, that's out of your pocket. Oh, really? Yeah. You just can't, you can't double dip. You can't do a Roth and then turn around and do an IRA. Okay. Um, and again, if you have a, if you have access to a 401k, you can't, you can't do a 401k and a Roth and a, uh, an IRA. There's limits. You just can't max out that limit. 
So it's either in a 401k or in a Roth as you go forward. So I can take a look at my situation and write uh, my Roth a check. Yeah. And just dump it in. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, let's go to commercial break. And uh, for the next couple of weeks here on the show, we'll remind everybody about these things. and, And Jeff will come in with a couple more interesting things to do. And then ultimately... You just run out of time. Yeah. The calendar flips over and you got to start there's a, it all over again. a few items that you could do in 24 for 23, but a handful at best. And it's one of those things, once we start doing shows in the new year, we say, hey, what happened last year? <laughs> Anything take place that you didn't like? We got a guy here at the station that always talks to me, Josh, I got to talk to Jeff. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I always owe big numbers at tax yeah. time. Yeah. And I said, Jeff, what's going on? You said, it's probably his withholdings. Yeah. He's that's not exactly. having enough yeah. withheld exactly from every paycheck. It is. Yeah. So it's like, well, what, what happened last year? And what can we do this year to make it better? Yeah. Or if you discovered the FSA in September. Exactly. How do we make sure that we are taking advantage of it all year long? All year long. Exactly. Rather than just the yep. last four months. Yep. So that'll be the new shows of the new year. But Things to do as the the clock winds down, things to do before the end of the year, year-end planning. That's what we're talking about today. And we'll be talking about it for the next couple of weeks as well. Let's go yes. to commercial break. And when we come back, I got my, my 401k question. Is there ever a proper time to touch it? And and we'll see what Jeff has to say about that. You know, oh, that boat is just so sweet, Jeff. <laughs> uh, I just can't stop dreaming about it. Should I break into my 401k? We'll talk to Jeff on the other side of this. It is Keep What's Yours with Jeff. Zufall 636-394-5524. He's my tax guy. He can be your tax guy, too. He's my wealth advisor. He can be your wealth advisor, too. Capital Advisory Group. CapitalAdvisoryGRP.com. Keep What Yours continues with Josh Gilbert and Jeff Zufall. All right, Jeff. Last segment of the show. I've got my uh, question about 401ks, but just really quickly, we touched on a lot of stuff yes. last segment. And this is year <laughs> and stuff, things that we can do before the end of the year. And I told you in the commercial break, I said, I get all of what you're saying. Yes. I get it all that, you know, Doing Roth conversions, it, it hits your ordinary income. It makes it look like you made one ninety five when mm-hmm. you only made one sixty five. You know? exactly. Um, but it is really overwhelming. Yes. To think of how to do all this stuff. Will you? Number one, you'll sit us down and and you can do a lot of this stuff for us. But is there like a like a a pamphlet that you can sit down and no, write out for us? Not really, because yeah. um, it depends upon your circumstances, what you have access to. Everybody's Don't, different. Everybody's different. Yeah. So there may be stuff that I talk with you about that your next-door neighbor cannot do. Right. Um, or that maybe they have the advantage over you because there's stuff they can do that you can't. Same so, age. We have the yep. same. Uh, the floor plan of our houses are the exact same. Identically, yeah. Uh, we're the same age, same neighborhood. But his kids are going into college, yep. and mine, uh, well, he's still in diapers. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's a big difference yes. there between our, our circumstances. Huge. So that's why I say everybody's a little different. So. Yeah. Uh, well, can you at least sit down and, and get a pen and paper out and say, this is what you do first? Yes. 
This is what you do second. Exactly. That's it, that's know. exactly what we do. That's what we've been doing in the last couple of weeks. You're doing year-end tax planning. You're taking their tax return, paycheck stubs, 401Ks, putting all this data together, and then given here's 15 things or 10 things or five things that you could do, and it will save you money. Again, most people think, oh, if I just do this one thing, I must save some tax. I'm good. It's not. It's typically five to ten items that you do throughout the year that will actually save you that money as you go forward. And so, those things that you do add up. Yes. It might be 50 bucks here. It might 100 be bucks there and yeah. thousands of dollars on another one, but they all add up over the year. I mean, do you want to let the government keep $50 that no. could have been yours? No. No. I don't want them to keep $1. Exactly. That could have been yours. <laughs> so it's the old adage, how do you eat an elephant? Exactly. You know, one one bite, bite at a time. One bite at a time. Just sit down. And get through it and plot through yes. it, and Jeff's there to help you. He gives you the ideas. He tells you how to do it. Uh, but at a certain you know degree, we have to sit down and yeah. make some of these moves At ourselves. least make some of the moves or, or implement them or start the implementation to get them accomplished. So. It is overwhelming, but when you think about it, you could be missing out on three, four grand. Exactly. That would Say otherwise the, just be going go, to the poof. federal government. Exactly. Lord knows they don't need it. Yeah. Well, they do need it. Well, they do. They pro- Lord knows what they're not actually going to spend. Not as bad as we do, though. Yeah. <laughs> what are they going to actually spend yes, it on? Yes, that's the question of the day. You know, if it went straight to the deficit, great. Yeah, but, but it's, it's not going to. No, it's the yeah. $1,200 hammer. Yes. And the $600 toilet seat. <laughs> uh, the bridge to nowhere. Yes, is. yes. So one of my questions, and I texted you earlier in the week, <laughs> is, and I'm not going to tell you why I thought about this. Uh, I will tell you actually off the air. Uh, 401k. Uh huh. You know, you got it in there, and uh, it's pre-tax, and it's like I'm going to play the game, and hopefully I'm going to take it out when I'm you know 66 years old. And I'm going to be in a lower tax bracket, and I've won the game of of yes. 401k. What if something comes up, and I, you, ooh man, I this is a great opportunity, a great uh, investment for me. This yes. is a great, you know, maybe the first house, or maybe That's... you want to give your your kids a gift on their wedding day of their first house down mm-hmm. payment or something. You got a lot of money sitting out in that 401k, uh-huh. but there's penalties, they ding you on this, there's taxes. Oh, yeah. Is it ever a good idea to reach in, dip into your 401k? Typically, no. Okay. All right. <laughs> Straight why, out of the box. And, and, and here, why not? Here's why. The problem is, is if, uh, and I'll back up for a second and explain this. So the concept is, is you get either 50,000 or 50% of your account balance, as long as your trustee will allow you to do a loan provision um, that you could borrow on. So let's just say it's 50 grand, okay? You have to pay that back through payroll withholding. So the term of the note is five years. So you have to keep those payments up, and typically some of them will cut you off from contributions to your 401k because they want the money to be paid back on the first right so you're really not investing you're not adding to it exactly you've taken away from it and yeah. and they're making you pay it back before you can add to it again exactly so let's say worst case scenario that three years into this loan you get laid off mm. guess what oh they want it all now exactly is so that, you is that would, right you would have to go and find the difference to pay the difference in so oh, it's not taxable gosh. to you and not taxable if you're under 59 and a half 
you now have a 10% penalty imposed. So the risks start getting on the higher side. Now, if you stepped in and took, you know, five grand, maybe, maybe, maybe 10 grand. And let's say that it was medical debt, um, where you got a collection. I mean, if you notice lately, um, I won't name the hospitals, but if you rack up a bill, I really don't They send you one bill. And then it seems like two weeks later, it's in collections. Um, and you got somebody chasing you looking for the balance. So again, the concept is medical debt. Yeah, maybe do it, get it out of the way. Um, but again, do it in small increments because it's a five-year note and you want to be able to pull it, pay it in full if you got laid off or if you had an opportunity to move to a different job, you don't want, hey, my loan and my 401ks hold me back. I got to stay there. Yeah, You don't want that to yeah. go down. So, so, well, tell me this. I mean, it's my money and eventually I'm going to be taking it out. You know, when I'm retired, what's the difference between me being 66 and me being 46? Uh, 10% penalty if you take it out. So, so what's that rule? That rule basically says if you are under 59 and a half mm-hmm. and you take money out of a qualified plan, there's a, there's two rules that come into play. First one is they're going to ding you 10% penalty, but that's tax return level is where that hits you. So when you take your money out, you really don't see it. And you're like, great, I'm done. But when you do your tax return, it shows up and dings you because you're under 59 and a half and it's an extra 10%. But most qualified plans are forced to withhold 20% withholding federal if you take money out of a 401k, um, a simple IRA, different, different items like that. And they'll do that out of the box. So again, you go, hey, part of my tax is paid. But the question is, is t- most people will be at a higher tax bracket than 20 um, with that money. And the 10% penalty on top of it adds more, even more confusion. If you're over 59 and a half, that's a different story. I won't say that 59 and a half is the precursor time where you could reach in and start to take money out. Um, but again, what you look for is most, most plans, and I say most, depends upon the trustees, will have what's called an in-service distribution option, which means you could reach in and roll money over to an IRA. When it hits the IRA and you take your money out of your IRA, you get to control how much of the tax withholding is is taken care of at that point in time. And is this rule, the 59 and a half rule, in place uh, for a reason? Is it there to protect us? I mean, the federal government ultimately is offering this to us because they want us to save for retirement hypothetically retirement they say hey after you're 59 and a half you can get access to this stuff and it does kind of dampen the ability to jump in and grab access to cash if you're 48 um because of the 10 percent penalty but again at the end of the day you go hey 59 and a half really is at retirement land um maybe 62 ish starting maybe 64 ish 65 ish really if you say from social security standpoint full retirement um 67, um, 70. So it just depends if you, if your health is there, so on and so forth. But typically the only way I would say to reach in and do a loan is if it's medical debt. Um, and I see a lot of people do it to buy a house. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask the house question. Yeah. Uh, boats, no cars. No. Um, those are big no, no's. Um, just because you run that risk, if you get caught standing there, um, without a job, and then you have to find money to pump back in to keep it from being taxable to you. So, With the housing market being what it is, uh, real estate being what it is, is it uh, 
a good idea to park money in real estate. I mean, your 401k is going to give you X amount of returns over the years. What if you parked it into real estate? Yes. There's a there's actually a Supreme Court case that I don't know when they go to, to give their um, selection on this that says that the hedge funds like your Blackstones and your Black Rocks of the world, that maybe they can't buy residential homes anymore. So what's taken place, whether you realize this or not, Zillow tried this. They tried buying residential homes. It didn't quite go well, and they lost a ton of money on it, and they got out. But what's taken place around the world is if you've ever bought a house in the last three or four years, you go against cash buyers. And you go, well, who are these people, and why do they have $500,000 to buy a house? It's because it's a hedge fund you're going against, and you'll never win. So the Supreme Court is actually going to make a, uh, I'll call it a decision, whether a hedge fund can buy residential real estate because they'll buy cash. No questions, no inse- no inspections, no nothing. We'll close next week and write you a check. And in my estimation, and, and it's worth nothing more than uh, yeah. you know, the paper it's printed on, <laughs> Uh, houses should be for people who need to live, live somewhere. In, yeah. Not, not, not speculative or speculative right. investments. So get it this way or look at it this way. Let's say that, um, one of the big hedge funds goes to the city of Ellisville and they buy every house on the market. Mm-hmm. They actually can then control what takes place in that neighborhood. And I say control, they control prices is what they really control. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. they could say, hey, we're not going to sell a house unless it's 350 or or better. Um, and they hold the cards on that. And they they have the resources. And they, they have the resources. They for 100 years. They leave it vacant. They don't care. Right. You go buy some of these houses. Every once in a while, I see a house in the neighborhood. Weeds are, you know, wet, uh, chest tall. That's because there's an issue either stuck in a trust or somebody didn't have beneficiaries. Or it's a hedge fund owns that house and they really don't care. Um, you know, we, you saw that a lot in, uh, you know, uh, 08, 09, 10, um, you saw it a tiny bit in COVID, but most people stayed put in COVID and they could say, Hey, I don't have to pay your rent. So, well, uh, let me, let me argue this mm-hmm. Jeff. And, <laughs> and it's one of these things that I always do this with my sister. She's, uh, got more money than, than anyone I know. And she is really good. She's a finance major and all this stuff. Um, I always give her my harebrained schemes, and she always, mm-hmm. you know, breaks them down yeah, in about says, two seconds. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, you forgot about uh, X, Y, and Z. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I take money out of my 401k to buy a house for myself, thereby, you know, maybe buying more house than I normally could have. I'm using the investment vehicle, but I can also reap the benefits of living there at the same time. Yes. Is that a thing? Uh, it is. But here's this, the side effect of that. My house is my retirement plan. Yeah. So you could put you could put real estate inside of qualified plans. It's, it's a real thing. The problem is, is you have to go hire a trustee mm-hmm. and look at it this way as if it's a qualified, it's an IRA. And you buy a $200,000 house that's a rental property. The concept on this is... You can as much as buy a light bulb to put in the, the house because it's a contribution to an IRA. Your rents stay inside the IRA. They can't be distributed to you because it's a distribution. No. So, and the trustee fees are kind of hefty because these guys got to keep wraps on it as they go forward to make sure you don't goof it up. 
But at fifty nine and a half, you can start. It's taxable. Though. Can I start? Yeah. Oh wow! So there's people that have. I mean, people that know what the game. They have real estate as an alternative investment inside their IRAs. Wow. And so it works. The portfolio because buys it, but the portfolio owns gets it. Exactly. All you you the own the portfolio. Rent. Everything has to stay inside of it because if it's sent to you as an individual, it's a distribution. And so interesting. Yeah. And so it's it's doable if you got enough cash and you know you know the game in a sense. Right. Um, but typically for you to borrow money from your 401k to go buy a house and here's here's the bad effect is again 3 years down the road, you got a loan for your 401k to get in your house. Um, you're in your house, and then you lose your job. You have the 401k issue, and then you go, ooh, I lost my job. How to make my house payment? And it's kind of like a double or triple, triple oh, ram. Man. Yeah. All right. So, well, letting the air out of my tires sorry. again. <laughs> or in this case, just pumping truth yeah, that's, into it, the scenario. I know, you know? It's, it's easy, and a lot of people will be like, oh, that's easy. I'll just take the loan. I'll worry about it later. But later always shows up, Yep. and it's an issue. So. And a lot of times later shows up at the most inopportune Yes, times. and you're like, oh, no, that happened. You know, and, and, oh, no, later's now? <laughs> yeah, nothing nothing of your your creation, but you have no control over it. So, yes, if you had that asset sitting on the sidelines that you could pay back your loan to your 401K, half's taken care of. But, again, the reason you'd be borrowing it from the 401K is because you don't have the asset sitting over there. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was my question of the day. So just to recap, everybody, the rates are holding, yes. not paused. Not holding. paused, not yet. <laughs> it really matters what you say. Uh, year in planning is happening now. You can uh, definitely make some moves as far as Roth conversions. Yes. And uh, just check your... simple withholding. Look, yeah. at, look at your paycheck stubs. Yep. I know that you just, you know, uh, either toss them. If you're getting direct deposit, or you just rip that bottom part off, that's right. And take it straight Say, to the bank. Give me the check. <laughs> but read this the your paycheck stuff. Yes, it could tell you a lot, a yes. lot. And then uh, robbing your four hundred one k. Yeah, probably not a great idea. No, not not unless it's like a worst case scenario. Right. And then that's medical even, debt, even yeah. questionable. Medical debt's typically the only reason that you go okay. Yeah. Um, so well, yeah. at least now I know, and I yeah. can. Try to make figure out a different angle. Airbrake scheme <laughs> somewhere else. All right, Jeff Zufall, senior tax strategist and wealth advisor with Capital Advisory Group, 636-394-5524. He's my tax guy. He's my wealth advisor. He can be your tax guy and your wealth advisor as well. Jeff Zufall, capitaladvisorygrp.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you next week.